Welcome in, friends. This is mile 51 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Travis here, and Benjamin is back in action. Benji, welcome back. How are you? It's good to be back. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. Yeah, man. I'm glad to have you. Wouldn't miss an Olympic trials preview without you because we've been talking about this upcoming weekend for better part of two years now yeah on this show we've been looking forward to this you and i got out to the old stomping grounds this morning up at lake summit put some miles on us we're warmed up we're ready to roll before we get into the trials though you've been living the corporate life in north carolina for a few months now yep right at two months okay And in the meantime, I've been doing some interviews, but we haven't had our traditional updates on the world of track and field, road racing, etc. Do you want to share a biggest highlight or maybe a couple biggest highlights that perhaps some of the listeners have missed or that really stuck out to you in January and February? Absolutely. So my first point, it's going to be a bunch of races tied into one thing. Okay. Because everyone knows what a fanboy I am. Here it is. Of Mike Smith yep. and the Northern Arizona University Lumberjacks. Yep. Chop. So, Got chop wood. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, this he, indoor- for those of you who are unable to see, because we actually don't do any sort of streaming, so none of you could see, he was chopping wood there. There was kind of a pretty soft effort at a wood chop. But- could we get a Twitch account soon? Uh, working on it. Efforting. Okay. Yes. Efforting. We'll take it to the board. Please. So the NAU boys have been on fire this indoor season. Mm. The first performance I want to talk about is Tyler Day. Yes. uh, In the men's 5,000. Clearly in the men's 5,000. He's a man. Um, In the (laughs) 5,000 at uh, Boston University, he set an American collegiate indoor record running 13-16. Record previously held by? Galen Rupp. Galen Rupp. That's right. (laughs) Who is now... Coached by Mike Smith, yes. the coach at NAU. We'll get into that more as we preview the race. Rupp's new coach. So there is point one from your NAU yes. list. What else would you like to add? Continuing with my NAU boys, we saw on the same track a couple weeks later, Louis Gravalia, Jordy Beamish, and Tyler Day run the three fastest times in the nation this year in the 3,000 meter. Mm. Uh, this actually put them to number one in the coaches' poll rankings for the NCAA indoor meet. Which is pretty special because all of us who are familiar with track and field scoring understand making it happen off distance runners is a very difficult task. Yes. So that says just how special they have been so far. Anything outside of Flagstaff, Arizona you want to touch on? Or? Is there anything else? No, you don't. You, you seem Arizona. totally. We have had a couple of world records happen <laughs> Just recently. Just completely uninterested in these world records. Yeah. Uh, so our Cajun. Yeah, uh, the Raging Mondo, Cajun. Well, not quite. Wow. That's an actual team. That is. He, he was not on them. No, that's um, Louisiana Lafayette, right? Yes. Is the... Yep. My uh, former roommate transferred there. Yep. Yeah. And. One of my new coworkers ran there as well. I think they're just called the University of Louisiana now. Is that accurate? Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, we might have to... Maybe I, We're big in like Shreveport, Louisiana, I think. Mm. Um, I could call Sean right now. Yeah, we well, us. or we could just hope someone listens and emails us. But yeah, send us an email. 
Please. Secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Subject header Ragin Cajuns. Spelling matters. <laughs> uh, so anyways. Man, it only took us five minutes and we are. It's boy wonder. Off the rails. Mondo Duplantis breaks the world record for the indoor pole vault. Not once, mm-hmm. but twice so far this indoor season. The second time, destroying the bar. It was amazing to watch him go over yeah. with such ease and clearance. It was really close on the first one. Yes. Second one, as you said, huge gap there. Interestingly, I believe his contract has a $30,000 incentive each time he breaks the world record. Oh, good year. Good month. So, yes. Yeah, right. That is a good month. If Wasn't I it were, like a week apart? It was, yeah. <laughs> if I were Mondo, I would just be increasing these by like the oh. barest fraction possible, right? Yes. To claim that money. On the Mondo Duplantis story, I don't know if he is going to compete in the Summer Olympics for the United States or if he is still representing the Swedish flag where his mother is from. We're going to have to look into that because that would be exciting if he could bring some enthusiasm and energy to the field events for the American men because we're going to be really strong in the throws and love to see him in the pole vault. Bring some excitement to an event that maybe is... A little off the board for most people. So, yeah, a few world records. That's not bad. Yeah. And Northern Arizona looks really good again at, at running long distances. Yes. So not much has changed. No, since that's right. <laughs> I don't know why we even did an update. And Mondo did not do it in the Vaporfly, he surprisingly. Did, he did not. Uh, that is a topic we've discussed in a couple interviews since you've been gone. I Can Breathe for the First Time, Kelly Clarkson. I knew it was yeah. coming. <laughs> uh, we have discussed... <laughs> We have discussed in a couple interviews the impact of the new regulations on shoes moving forward. We will see what everyone is in next week at the trials. That is Saturday, February 29th from Atlanta. NBC coverage here from noon to 3 on Saturday. The course begins and ends in downtown Atlanta at the Centennial Olympic Park, which was the centerpiece of the 96 Atlanta Olympics. It is three times around an eight-mile loop and then a 2.2-mile final loop back into Olympic Park. Course features 1,389 feet of total uphill. It's a good bit of climbing. Mm -hmm. And 1,382 feet of total downhill. Those poor quads. Uh, Yeah, going to get beat up a little bit for a seven-foot net uphill. Uh, The last time we watched an Olympic marathon trials, 2016 in L.A., also featured a crit course like this, but with very little elevation change. Yes. Who does that favor? Before we even get into any of the contenders on the men's and women's side, does that style, of course, favor anyone? What does that do for your racing rhythm? It's going to be a whole different type of race. As Tim Ritchie said here last week, his training has been about knowing I have to change gears and I'm not going to be able to get into marathon rhythm for extended periods of time. Any opening thoughts on who the course may favor or hurt? For sure. I'm looking at people who have been on courses that are a little bit more undulating and have performed well. Um, people who performed well at Boston or mm-hmm. even CIM with that net downhill. Yeah. They're kind of used to that impact on their quads. People who have a very good 10K background, I 
believe this is going to be a little bit more difficult for them since they are such rhythm runners. Yeah. I'm looking at top 20 finishers at NCAA cross-country meets. Yeah, so I was going to say that one. When you went to the 10K runner might not benefit, but the cross-country runner may with that traditional changing of pace, undulation. I, I totally agree with you there. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Any specific names that stick out to you before we even get into Oh, for sure, picks but here? am I giving it away? Okay, by... so you want to hold off I'm, about I'm just that. asking what I'd be... I mean, there's a whole new era of marathoner in the United States right now. We have so many young guys tackling the distance. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to talk about the dark horses. So okay. I think I'm going to wait. So we will wait to see who this favors. Weather looks like it should favor almost everyone. Early forecasting here. Uh, conglomeration of weather outlets here. And the synthesized... <laughs> Weak outlook suggests somewhere in the low 40s, which is near perfect. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, partly cloudy, which is also nice. It could be a touch windy. Um, mild factor there. Could it see winds up over 10 miles per hour? I did not go with the forecast as projected by local meteorological prodigy Dean Shehorn, friend of the show. <laughs> no one is worse at predicting the weather. We were out on a run recently, and he said, those are cirrus clouds, high and thin. It's going to be a beautiful day. I said, Dean, check the sky again in a couple hours. Fast forward a couple hours. Heavy snow was falling on the upstate. <laughs> well, was he wrong? Could snow not be a beautiful day? Uh, fair. It, you know what? It is nice to see it every once yeah. in a while. I'll give you that. Okay, so maybe I should call Dean and see what he says the weather's going to be like. He probably knows. Couple thoughts on the weather. How does that translate to Tokyo? Knowing that LA translated well to the Rio games in 2016, the heat and humidity in LA, yeah. preparing them for what they saw in Rio. And does it need to translate? Should we even care about that in selecting our team? You bring up some great points. Thank you. Yes. I don't know that it's going to translate at all. They're very worried about record high temperatures for right? an Olympic Games marathon in Tokyo. Um, I think there, there is a certain level playing field between the two courses because we have the hills. Yeah. And maybe that becomes the external factor that the runners can't control and they have to battle. Yep. And maybe that is a sort of mentality you have to take during the heat is being patient, running your race, uh, having this game plan going in and not wavering on that. Yeah. So I think it gets them in the right mentality as far as actual race execution i'm not sure i agree with you that the hills do provide an external factor much as the heat will in tokyo and to the second question i had i guess i'm asking in the sense of do we just want to get our best three people on the line in tokyo best three men best three women or do we want our best three under the circumstances and conditions that they will face we all know that courses, weather, whatever, can impact some people more than others. In response to that, everybody's lining up on the same day here. Everybody's running in the same stuff. And whoever makes it in the top three is going to be 100% deserving of being there. Yes. Because these are two very difficult teams to make, and the women especially so. And a year ago, I might not have thought that about the men's field. 
but 2019 turned into a really good year for American male marathoners. They did. So it's going to be a tough team to make, and the people who get there are incredibly deserving. In 2016, the men who got there were Galen Rupp, who won our trials in his debut Debut. marathon after qualifying through the half. He went on to be the bronze medalist in Rio. In second was Meb Kofleski. He went on to finish 33rd. And the eventual sixth place finisher at the Rio Olympics was Jared Ward, who was third at the LA Trials. For the women in the heat of LA, it was Amy Cragg with the win. She finished ninth. Fireworks might have just gone off nearby. Might hit the ground. All three American women finished in the top 10 at Rio. Second place finisher Des Linden was seventh. And third was Shalane Flanagan, who went on to finish sixth. She was actually the highest finisher of our women. Three of those names will not be in consideration this weekend. Meb has retired. A year or so ago, I was wondering, could he still come back? Yes. (laughs) Because it seemed like there was a spot available. Amy Craig is out due to illness. Um, Man, hate that. Yeah, that's super disappointing. As the defending trials champ, one of the top marathoners in the world... Well, she would have been on our list of favorites. I mean, it's been since about 2017 that we've actually seen her role. That's a good point, too. Um, she's She's been up and down for sure. It dealt with, now it's illness, but there's been injuries. And then Shalane retired. She, since 2016, won New York City and went out on a high note. So definitely. half of our representatives from the 2016 games are not in contention this weekend. So... Let's start with the men. Absolutely. We're going to start with the favorites, okay? We're going to break these guys into tiers. I have four favorites, and these are just listed simply by qualifying time. Please feel free to agree or disagree with my list of favorites. Add, subtract as you choose. I already know I'm going to agree with this. Okay. I think this is a fairly clear-cut big four for three spots. Galen Rupp comes in with... The fastest qualifying time, that was 2.06.07, smoking hot, at Prague in 2018. Uh, Nike athlete, three-time Olympian. But since that time, Achilles surgery, he missed most of 2019. Most recently, we saw him at the Phoenix Mesa Half Marathon, I believe sponsored by Sprouts Groceries. Really? Big-time sponsor. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) He ran a 61.19 there. Yeah. Says he's feeling good. As you mentioned, new coach, Mike Smith. We know the Salazar controversy weighs a little bit here, but that working relationship seems to be off to a good start. Yes. I do have to point out, do you remember how he qualified for the uh, 2016 trials? His, like, tune-up race? Excuse me, not qualified, but his tune-up race? Oh, okay. So not where he qualified, but the race he ran preceding just that. before. Yes. No, what was it? It was a half marathon yeah. in Portland where oh. he won by 10 minutes. Yeah, that's right. And ran 61 minutes. Oh, really? Yes. It was pretty much on. Yeah. Now, the competition was better here, but he did win by a decent number. I didn't remember that until yeah, you brought it I up. I saw that and thought it was really interesting. Yeah, good point. Next would be Leonard Career from the Army WCAP team, 207.56 at Amsterdam last year. 
That is the fastest American debut marathon. He was the 2017 and 18 USATF road racing circuit champ. He's got bona fides from 5K through half marathon, and this is now his first marathon-specific cycle. Yes. I like this guy. Okay. He knows how to win. Oh, I don't know him Oh, okay. All right. But he's a two-time NCAA champion on the track. He's won Great Edinburgh Cross Country. He's won the New York City Half Marathon. Edinburgh? Edinburgh, sorry. Okay. You threw me off a little bit. Excuse my ignorance. Yes. Yes. Um, Andrew Butchert would probably be unhappy with that pronunciation. I'm trying Ah, to think of guys from Scotland. Callum Hawkins. Callum Hawkins. Uh, Neil Gurley. Oh. Yeah. That was a good pull. Virginia Tech star. Adam Craig, Mount Olive star. Is Josh Kerr? Scottish. He is, yeah. yeah. He Oaks looks like he can drink a pint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we're listing every runner we've ever known from yes. Scotland. So, Go ahead with um, your friendship with Leonard Career. He's won the Peachtree Road Race, so mm-hmm. on the roads in Atlanta. Great point. Yes, we've only seen him one, run one marathon, and yes, it was Pancake Flat. Mm-hmm. But he turned around, it was, I believe, two weeks after he ran the 10,000 at the Doha, Championships. In the heat, yeah. yeah. This guy... I, I, this guy. I expect the world from him. Oh, so. I feel like you may have just guaranteed an Olympic gold. I did not okay. guarantee an Olympic gold from a 207 guy. <laughs> Next is Scott Fobble. Yes. From the Hoka 1-1. One, one. One. One, one. <laughs> NAZ Elite Team 20909 at Boston in 2019. He led through the Newton Hills at Boston. Pretty exciting. He is known as well as a skilled cross-country competitor, mm-hmm. which, based on what we spoke about earlier, I think may help on this course. And he trains in Flagstaff, Arizona. Sure. He's used to not having enough oxygen. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> like, running hills, like, you're going to be laboring a little harder than you're used to for these guys that train at sea level. I think he's kind of into that suffering mentality. There are some red flags, and that red flag is 2019. Um, After Boston, he hurt his hamstring and back, and he hasn't raced other than the 10-mile U.S. championships, I believe, since then. Is that right? I think so. He, like, had a really disappointing Okay, it was only one race? It was, like, 9th or 12th, something like that. Yeah. yeah, he was going to run a fall half and try to run fast. Right. Didn't get to. Was going to do a tune-up for the trials, but he got the flu. Coach Rosario says training's been going great and that he's healthy now, but I do have some concerns because he hasn't been in a race in so long. Okay. That's a great point. I thought there was one more race in there in the fall, but well done. Thanks. Next <laughs> is Jared Ward, 20925 at Boston last year as well. Followed that up with a 210.45 at New York City. Recently a 61.36 in the half at Houston to finish as the top American. So some pretty consistent performances over the past year from Jared Ward. He seems healthy again after some nagging issues in 2017 and 2018. He is the BYU statistics professor who went into Rio. He's been very candid about his plan, knowing those conditions with the heat Mm -hmm. how he was going to play his race that he believed was to his advantage looking back in how he ran not worrying much about what the field was doing now maybe to medal that might not have been the best course to follow but it moved him all the way up to sixth place 
So, Wardy is my fourth of the big four. As we look at the qualifying times, I think it kind of jumps to a next tier after him. I do. I really like the Ward selection in your top four. Yep. Um, this guy just radiates confidence, in my opinion. The ability to do that and truly believe that he knows what is best for his race is amazing. Mm. And I think we're going to see a similar race plan from him okay. come next week. I have a next tier that I call, I wouldn't be surprised if. Okay. Two guys here who wouldn't surprise me. The first one, because I believe he has the talent to do it. He consistently has a history of getting out hard and just trying to hang on. That's Parker Stinson. Ooh. Okay, Parker Stinson. see you on that train. Uh, well, I said I wouldn't be surprised if. Mm-hmm. Not saying I'm picking him. Although, right. Although right. I might. <laughs> Parker Stinson from Saucony, 210.53 at Chicago. He set a new U.S. 25K record last year, breaking the record previously held by our friend Christo Landry. hey Super talented, but it's been kind of get out really, really hard and then fizzle out a little bit. Maybe at Chicago he started to learn the lesson from that. Coached by fellow trials competitor Dathan Ritzenheim. And then my other I wouldn't be surprised if guy is the I will say the guy that I would like as much as anyone who we have named so far to actually win. That's Gerald Mock. Thank you. Friend of the show, Gerald Mock, Colorado State le- legend, member of the Alt Rock Sensation Hermit Commune, two ten thirty seven at Chicago in twenty nineteen. And we have a huge congratulations to give him. Yeah, go ahead. As he signed a professional contract with the Adidas Boston Athletic Association. Yep, he'll be repping BAA, and he could be the youngest U.S. Olympic marathoner ever. Wow. He's got a legitimate shot. If you want to know more about Gerald, listen into Mile 42. We had a whole lot of fun in that conversation Definitely with Gerald Mock. So I would not be surprised. He is young, up-and-coming. It might be a little early for his moment, but I think he will be in the mix. Now, when we had talked to him, he said he was eyeing Houston as his tune-up. Did he end up running at Houston? Do you know? I didn't. I don't remember seeing him in the results. I didn't see him in the results, so I don't know about a follow-up there. We should just contact him and ask. Yeah. Should I uh, FaceTime him <laughs> in right now? Just, just get him, get him live right now. Hey, buddy. Did you run Houston? Oh, hey, guys. I don't know. Why do, you know, we have internet access. Maybe you could look that up. Oh, that's true. Uh, rather than the two of us just looking like bozos right now. Well, what's new? Yeah, fair. The fans love it. Yeah, they do. All six Eat it up, you dirtbags. <laughs> My You're mom not. does love the banter. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could look that up. And then while you do that, I have this Celtics and Lakers game on in the background that I'm really into. LeBron went down for a minute earlier. It looks serious. Celtics up three here late. Uh, Gordon Hayward playing some isolation at the top of the key right now. Wait, who's LeBron James play for? LeBron James plays for the Lakers, sweetie. Oh, I don't. Were okay. you unaware? Yeah, I thought he played in Ohio. Yeah, there was a there was a Cleveland period. There were two Cleveland periods. And then he played life. for the Hot. I don't know if I dignify that with a response. If you kind <laughs> of try to chuckle but not get the microphone to pick it up, he did play in Miami for the Heat. As you look that up, I will add, there's another little subcategory I had with the recent championship pedigree guys. They would surprise me a touch if they made it. 
but it wouldn't shock me. And that is Tim Ritchie, who we just had on, the 2017 U.S. Marathon champion at California International, and Brogan Austin, the 2018 champion, also at CIM. I, I wouldn't put either in that first or second tier, but having won those big races with decently competitive fields and times that are at least in the range here, 211, 212-ish, I think they deserve a mention as well. And it does look like Gerald Mock did not run the Houston Okay, half. we have verified that either via the Google or you may, were you texting Gerald? I via the Google. Okay, we went, yeah. we went via the Google there. I might via it later. So, <laughs> next category, I got a lot of categories for this men's race. Yes. Because I really think there might only be like four or five guys competing. I think there's a guy in that last field that... Or could have been in that last category that you didn't add. Oh, please, then add it. That's I, why we're doing I this. I don't think you're going to like it. Oh, I know I won't. Oh, you know who it is? No, then? I have no clue. I just oh, it's I don't like Oh, ultra ghosts. marathoner Jim Walmsley. Oh, so I'm saving him. I'm saving him. I, I, that's fair. I You were putting him in the I wouldn't be surprised if category? Yeah. I, okay. I think on a perfect day, like, if it happened, I'd be like, this is the greatest thing ever, just because I'm such a fan. Yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked. Just well, on I, this course. I wouldn't be shocked. I'll agree with that. But I would be surprised. Mm. I, I've i saved him. He's one of my dark horses. Yeah. So let's get back into him later. Okay. I'm going to add before we get back into him my kind of storyline I'd really like to see. Okay. And that is the savvy veterans, maybe the senior citizens oh, of the yes. race, the guys in my age bracket here. I have two that I would love to see at least in the mix. There's more than this I think you could add, but these two in particular for me. Bernard Lagat. Absolutely. He's 45? 45. Five-time Olympian. Olympic silver medalist in the 1,500 meters in 2000 and 2004. What were you doing in the year 2000, Benjamin? I was suckling from the tee. Oh, first grade. Well, maybe both. Yeah, in 2004, I was in fourth grade i guess mm. does that add up nope i'd be in fifth grade yeah it was close i mean you guys could depend on which fourth. time of year and yeah i don't know when and how many times you were held back yeah i think it was just once okay it was k5 don't bite your teacher that's always a good lesson uh, oh four i was i was in college <laughs> <laughs> and bernard lagat was winning 1500 meter olympic silver medals and he's still out there doing it he ran 2 12 10 to qualify and I mean, there is like there's a legitimate shot i mean i would be surprised but yes man it would be fun yeah and a lot of people are saying oh lagat's a track guy he can't run hills yeah He's won the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta. He has. Super hilly course. He has been in the Rift Valley training of late, yes. my sources say. He's been running with uh, Patrick Sang's group. Yeah. Like coach of Elwood Kipchoge. That's not a bad team to work with. I actually would be less surprised by him than the guy who's next, who's <sighs> been in the Olympic Marathon and done well. That's Dathan Ritzenheim. That is not the th- the other guy I thought you were going to say. Oh, who would you expect? Abdi. Yeah, okay. That, yeah. You could easily put him in this group as well. But but Ritz, three-time Olympian. He's 37. He has a 207 PR. Uh, once upon a time in Beijing in 08 in the Sammy Wanjiru take this from the gun race, Ritz finished ninth 
under bad conditions at the Olympic marathon. He has battled injuries for much of the past decade, really. 216 at Boston last year to hit the mark. I would love to see either Ritz or Legat at least just in the mix late in this thing. I think we'll see Ritz in it for a while. What do you mean by a while? Somewhere in the 16 to 20 mile range. Okay. Yeah. I thought you might say like a K. Oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Uh, That makes me think back to the heartbreak of the 2012 Olympic trials when he finished fourth and crossed the finish line and just bawled his eyes out. Yeah. I hope he's in the mix. I'm not super confident in what we'll see from Ritz. You just tickled my toes. um, (laughs) In a a shocking turn of events, apparently Benjamin's bare feet were between my legs. And when I rotated forward, I just tickled his toes on accident. So that will be... Smoke break. Yeah, smoke break. (coughs) That will probably be a highlight we look back on on the... 2020 end of year recap right there yes. mm. okay dark horses i had two okay we've already exposed one of them jimothy walmsley that's your man squeamsley uh jim walmsley the ultra marathon star the 50 mile record holder the champion at western states endurance run there's a lot of talk on the internets here about what this means for road running versus ultra running he's been pounding these like 160 170 mile weeks he's running up and down grand canyon he's certainly fit he ran 64 on the dot and a half marathon to qualify and he just lowered that time he did lower that but i don't think that was actually an eligible time because i believe that course was a touch short Oh, at bummer. rock and roll. It was rock and roll Arizona, Jose, was it? I oh, think. rock and roll San Jose. I thought it was rock and roll. Not like, San Jose. Phoenix. Who ran San Jose? Was that Rupp? No, Rupp ran also in Phoenix, but a different race uh, at Phoenix Mesa. I don't remember what it was? Again, this is something that we could look up or that we could have been prepared before the show. You know, you're so I just excited to say about he this was guy. your dark horse. <laughs> yeah, he was. However, you brought up this point. That's true. That is true. Thank it's you. on me. What are your realistic expectations for Sir Jim Saturday in Atlanta? Sure. I have two scenarios in my head. Okay, let's play them out. One, he's there through 22 miles. And by there, you mean lead pack? Yes, Mm. in the top three. Through 22. Through 22. At this point, I think the faster guys are just going to kind of pull away from him. Okay. Um. I think he's too bullheaded not to put himself in it for I as agree long with as that. possible. My other scenario is a DNF. Mm. <laughs> I think that Jim is probably too reckless. Yeah. And that he may find himself hurting way earlier than he thinks he should be. And we've seen in the past with a Western States DNF um, where when he can get in some of those dark places and it doesn't always... He doesn't always pull himself out of it. Yeah. So I expect either greatness or what probably most track and field fans expect. So you are expecting this to end at one of two far ends of the spectrum here. I think it wouldn't be Jim if it wasn't one of those two ends. So it's interesting your thought about him being in the mix till 22 and then the faster guys pulling away. Because I think if he could hang into that point... 
He needs to be hammering he, at that point. Right. He needs, at 22, if he's out with the lead group or out in front, he's actually got a shot. I would be very surprised if he's in that position at 22. Mm. I see this working probably somewhat closer to your DNF scenario. <laughs> I'm going to try to be a voice of reason on Jim's, Jim's Walmsley because <laughs> Jimmy seems to be so polarizing. People, like, all the fans out there and the people on message boards and everybody who watches the sport seems to want one of the two scenarios you just said you're laying them out because you believe logically that's what's likely but it seems fans either want him to make the team or win this race or just blow up and tell all the ultra marathoners to be quiet i actually believe it ends up somewhere in the middle he will try to assert himself into that lead group as you said that has to be a strategy based both on his past and what he is here to accomplish like what's the point of even doing this otherwise I will say he's in that group for perhaps up to 16 to 18 miles. Mm. And given this is a championship-style race, I think that plays into his strengths here. It's not a foot-speed race completely. And it's hilly. That's what I was just going to say. The course helps him out. That's what he loves. But I believe you will see the natural separation that you tend to see in these races every cycle around 16 or 18 where the field winnows and it's a handful maybe it's a few more than a handful this year of guys but i'm saying walmsley is he's not really in contention in the final 10k of the race i don't think he's off the back i think he's better than average and may even run sensible even splits but other guys are going to negative split him who are just too fast for him who have proven it also on hilly courses would you like to give a time prediction for jim let's say best case scenario in your head yeah i guess the best case i really believe he could run something to 12 ish that's the number i had as right which could be enough here It'll be really close, I think. Yeah, but I don't know that he runs 212 under this style of race. I think a realistic time, maybe more like 214, Mm. 215, might be more realistic in this style of race on this course. A couple of gym follow-up questions for you. One, are you getting the tattoo that was agreed to like a year and a half ago when he doesn't make the team? I have to get bang, bang. Yeah, that's right. I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay, good. I'll do it. Question number two. Okay, question number two. (laughs) Jim's attire for the race, because he's a man of extravagant style. (laughs) Do you think we see him in a crop top just to say, hey, I'm the ultra guy and give the middle finger to the marathon community? Jim in all his sartorial splendor. I say, well, obviously dry max socks. Oh, you gotta wear has you to. gotta wear dry max. He'll be in a Hoka shoe, right? I don't, carbon don't, rocket. That's what I was gonna say. I don't yeah. know if they have something else that's coming out, but probably a carbon rocket. He'll be in some sort of cap, some sort of trailish cap that he'll wear. Yes. And I would love if Hoka let him wear that old Patagonia yeah. hat that he was famous for. Yeah. There's no way, but I yeah, I see him in a Hoka singlet. I rolled that H. Did you hear that? It was almost Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so ethnic. Yeah. 
I see him in a Hoka singlet, but with some holes cut into it. Cool. You know, like that's what yeah. that's what this needs. That's and I'll tell you what else. This Celtics Lakers game is heating up. We're one hundred two, one hundred one right now. The crowd's getting into it. It's hard to even think straight about Walmsley. I can't think straight about Walmsley. <laughs> Clearly, He's a handsome guy. Yeah. <laughs> Any other comments on Jim? Because that is a huge uh, storyline among people, really tied into the ultra community. We've said this a million times on the show, but I think we should say it again. I love he's creating dialogue and interest and making this trials more exciting. Yes. Um, thank you, Jim. But, yeah. I could not agree with you more. It just adds excitement, and that is great for our sport. My other dark horse, I'm really going dark here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to a, a sleeper here. Martin Hayer. Way to pull him out of your cellar. Yes. <laughs> The Reebok athlete in medical school who ran 213 at CIM a couple years ago. It's his only marathon. Coach Fox said at that point, we're running it just to get the qualifier. Hmm. 2016 at the 10K trials, he found out he was actually even in the trials like the day before and went out and finished seventh in the 10,000. He's got great discipline, great life balance. I know he's got the ability. He was a great cross-country runner Yes. on good Syracuse teams. I loved watching him race in college. Right? That guy could suffer more than anyone out there. You'd see it just ridden across his face. Ugh. And there is some significance to that for this style of racing. So, again, off the wall, but I don't know. Seems like a name you might it's a see. Fun pick. I do have my... Dark Horse, yes. who's very dark as well. Okay. It's more of my hope so. If I could pick anybody outside of anyone we've mentioned. so To, to make, make the, the team? team? Yeah. Be Chris Derrick. Yeah. He's Stanford standout. NCAA titles eluded him his entire career. He's probably the best NCAA runner to never win a title. Well, that'd be an interesting conversation to actually look at. I, probably recently true. Yeah. But. Sub 1310. Yeah. In the 5K, 210 marathoner. Uh, just can't stay healthy. I like how neither of us mentioned for the guy we most want to say. I picked Gerald, and yeah. you took Chris Derrick. We did pick Connor. Uh, we, we did not mention Connor McMillan yeah. or seconds flat athlete. Oh, James Quattle. James Quattlebaum. I don't want him to make the team. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> if he makes the team, I'm done with the sport for good. <laughs> On that, on that note, we do have a lot of local tie-ins that we want to wish good luck to. Yes. Uh, Ryan Root, friend of ours, will oh be competing, right? Yes. Uh, so super excited for him. Greenville guy Cole Atkins, yep. best wishes to him. I hope he has a great performance down in Atlanta. Well, while we're listing some local people, yeah. Christina McKnight from GTC yes. Elite here will also be there. She qualified with a great run out in California. Um Joe Nemec just qualified in Houston as well. So there is a, uh, a contingent from the upstate, and we hope for great performances. But more significantly, want to congratulate them on getting there and hope that they really enjoy the experience. That's part of the beauty of this event. It is people who are certainly high-level athletes, but not all are necessarily thought to be in the mix when you get on the line but right. to be there and share that space that is a dream come true for a lot of runners it's so an honor it is an honor we are incredibly proud of all those people 
and thankful to call many of them friends and to learn from them and their example. Definitely. And with that, I, there are two more people I would like to mention. Please. We have Kim Ruck. Yes. A Greenville native, a Clemson alum, former GTC athlete, now with the Raleigh Distance Project. And Kim will be joining us, we Whoa. hope, next week is the hope uh, for a recap of the event. Awesome. Yeah, so wow. that should be fun. Sorry to ruin that if that was yeah, a no, surprise. Yeah, it kind of, but that's okay. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> and then also Furman alum and dark horse himself wilkerson given wilkerson given who has been known to hang on to the lead group for yes. a really long time as well and so just laid down that was it a 210 or 211 at chicago i think 11 okay yes outside shot yep so let's make picks let's do it do you want to rank order these sure do you want to go three up to one now let's do the other way because I like that tension for who's going to make the team and who's not. Okay, that's okay. cool. So men's predictions. Benjamin, you may go ahead first. I'm going to say Jared Ward wins the trials. Oh, <laughs> mommy, mommy, I like it. Okay. Oh, I Do you want like, me to pick my yeah, winner now? We'll alternate? Yeah. Okay. I am going to take Galen Rupp okay. to win the trials. I think he seems to be healthy and if healthy... He, to me, is a clear favorite. Okay. Okay? You go ahead with your number two. I am going to take Jared Ward to finish okay. second. I also have him on the team. I think he's the most consistent racer in the field over the past year and also has great experience. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to go Leonard Career. Okay. For number two. Number three is yours now as well. You get to, yes. uh, you get to go. I know. I have to say it, though, so I'm like... Okay. Hmm. Tension. There is some tension. My third pick, we haven't mentioned his name yet. Oh, I love where this is headed. Sam Chalenga. Oh, okay. I think you're picking him because wasn't he on your cross-country fantasy, cross fantasy team we picked? <laughs> okay, we're nixing Sam Chalenga. I want a young buck in. Let's say Gerald makes the team. You're taking Gerald with your yes. third pick. What a story that would and, be. And that would mean no Galen Rupp. I don't think he finishes. <clears throat> If he doesn't finish. Ooh. Sorry, I'm excited <laughs> for what you're going to say. Does he get on the track and try to make the 10K team? I think we see him at the Olympics. So you think 10, he's 000. still in the Olympics. Yeah. He goes Mo Farah on the people. Yeah. I think we see him and Tyler Day become training partners in a build-up to make the oh, team now you're in the just, 10K. You're just getting excited now. You're oh, you have no idea. My bird's going, woo <laughs> <laughs> is it my pick at three yes is that where I'm? okay so who do i have i believe i'm not certain but i believe that you went ward career mock yes with reed fisher as the man on the outside oh okay strong half performance at houston just behind ward 61 37 i think mm -hmm. i have rup ward and i am going to leave out leonard career wow he could easily win this. Yeah. And I'm just going to say that perhaps his lack of experience with only one marathon bites him here, given the course layout mm -hmm. and not having run a marathon like this. And I'm going to go with Scott Fobble. I would love that. I'll take Scott Fobble, given what he did at Boston last year, and hoping he's healthy, but... Uh, I'll roll the dice with Scott Fobble. I'll take Leonard Career as right on the outside looking in 
in a group with Jerome Mock probably right there as well. Yeah, I think the key for career making the team is that has to be his focus with his lack of experience. If he tries to win the thing yeah. too soon, it could just be completely detrimental to I, his performance. I did see it uh, after Amsterdam, an interview with his coach, where that was the part of the reason they went to the marathon, was knowing that he might be on the fringe in the 10K. Mm-hmm. You know, Is he that third guy? Does this give him another better opportunity? And remember, as we just talked about with Rupp, all these guys still have a shot now to come back on the track in a few months in Eugene and get in in June for the Olympics. Okay, let's go to the women. Let's do it. I have a longer list of favorites here and a shorter list of all the others. Wide open. I took Amy Craig out because she won't be there, but again, in order of qualifying time, the top favorite is Jordan Hesse from Nike to 20.57 at Chicago in 2017. That is the second fastest American woman ever. DNF, though, at Chicago last fall, hamstring injury, the latest in a series of hiccups. The question is, is she healthy? I haven't asked her. Yeah, I don't expect you perhaps to know that answer. I wish you did. She did post an interesting photo with a cow recently she met on her long run. Oh, a cow? Yes, so I think that's a hint at that she's getting enough calcium so her bones are nice and strong. Good. I like the way you read into that. Next is Sarah Hall. <laughs> From ASICS. Yes. 2-22-16 at Berlin in 2019. She is coached by her husband and distance running legend Ryan Hall. High volume racer. Yes. With uh, some up and down results. Can she make the games in her fifth Olympic trials? Could be her first trip to the olympics so that would be exciting for sarah hall mother of is it three or four daughters i think i think they've adopted four wow yeah one of which i know had a great high school season this year cross country in arizona yeah next up is emily sisson from new balance providence college product your uh crush oh i didn't necessarily expect that word i am a emily sisson fan i but that's (laughs) It's a married woman. I don't know that we need to go to that place. 22308 at London in 2019. She has the fastest debut half and marathon on record eligible courses by any American woman, but is the new kid on the block at this distance, right? She is relatively new to the marathon. Certainly a ton of talent. She is, is she still the NCAA 5000 record holder? No, that was broken uh, this December by Katie Izzo of that, Arkansas. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was by like two seconds that she got that yeah. record. Good, that's why we have you here. <laughs> Next, Kellen Taylor. Yes. 224.28 from also a Hoka northern arizona elite athlete she ran that at grandma's marathon in duluth in 2018 that is a course record she was sixth at the 2016 marathon trials in 2019 she had a 5,000 meter pr and was third place at the u.s championships in 10,000 meters so certainly showed her her foot speed and turnover ability this past year she's right there on the fringe as well i think you have to call her a front runner first tier favorite definitely I got three more that I'll add to this list. I have Emma Bates 
from ASICS and the Idaho Distance Project. She's off the grid somewhere outside of Boise. That's part of why we love her. 225.27 at Chicago in 2019. That was only her second marathon, right? She debut U.S. marathon champ at CIM in 2018. She was a 10,000-meter champion on the track in CAA in 2014. She's got the talent. I, I would not be at all surprised. We hear her name a lot less than some of the others on this list. But, again, front runner. Absolutely. Um, she is definitely an interesting character. I love her lifestyle choices. For those of us who've read Once a Runner, mm. she is the real-life Quentin Cassidy. Yeah. She is in her cabin in the woods, in the mountains, training like a mad woman, doesn't have plumbing in the house. She's just, like, really sacrificed it all to make this dream a reality. And uh, she's also coached by her husband, yeah. Cameron. And, yeah. yeah, she brings a really cool dynamic and discussion to it. Would be fun to see her on the team. Saucony's Molly Huddle next. Golly. 226.33 at London in 2019, which was a slight PR. She's only run a few. They've been all within this same little window here. Small improvement. 28 times a U.S. champion. She's amazing. Yeah, that breathtaking number. Six American records. That includes the 10K and the half. So it seems like this should be her event. And she that had, 10K was the previous Olympic Games. Correct. She ran that, right? Yeah. She has been the most dominant American female of the past decade, but the question is, will it translate to the marathon? It hasn't quite translated yet. It's been close. But maybe this is the moment when we see it. How deep is this woman's race? Well, I got another one. Exactly. <laughs> this is amazing. Des Linden. Haven't even gotten to Des Linden yet. Who's that? Yeah, that's your 2018 Boston champion. The first American woman in over three decades to win that race. 226.46, so her number's right there, at New York City in 2019 when she went off the front and took the lead and tried to make a move. We know she's not the fastest on the track here, but she has a history of success on the toughest stages. This course just feels built for her. She is already entered into the 2020 Boston field. Is that a hedging your bets, go back to Boston because I might not make the games, I get a huge payday? I was about to say, with a arguably weaker field because there won't be as strong of an American presence. Yeah. There's going to be a financial incentive to go right. to Boston. She's already going to get a huge appearance fee as a past yes. champion. That gives her six or seven weeks. So it's legitimate to turn around. And even if she made the team and still did Boston, I think that's conceivable because then you have like three months to go to Tokyo and at where, where she is in her career why not take these opportunities yeah. so i don't think that it says to me she doesn't believe she can make it because that's the story that i hear that i, I agree yeah completely um i'm still waiting for her to move up to the ultra marathon distances oh yeah i, I could totally see it right yeah. especially at the i feel like we are heading towards the end of her road career you would think this is her last olympic cycle yes. at least because some weren't even sure if she would do this right yeah I got two dark horses. Bring them. I went way off the board for my first one. That's Molly Seidel. Oh, it's a I debut marathon, yes. right? 
She qualified in the half, like 79, four-time NCAA champion at Whoa, Notre Dame. 69. Yes. Yes. 69. 79. Does not qualify. That doesn't get you there. Thank you for catching yes. that. It would make me feel better about myself if it did. Four-time NCAA champion at, at Notre Dame. She's battled through some injuries. She's been very open about an eating disorder issue. And I'm just super excited to see her on the course. She looks like she's healthy and fit. And we know she's got the talent. It would be like a total wild card, but that's why we're calling it a dark horse. She's gutsy, man. Yeah, like, sure. She's going to get in the mix. Golly. Yeah. yeah. That, thank you for bringing her up. Yeah, buddy. My other would be uh, Laura Thweet. So she ran 225.38 at London in 2017, and then it's just been two years of injuries since. But that number is pretty exciting, how fast she ran there. So I think she's worth mentioning here as well. Anybody you're going to add to the mix of sleepers? It's just insane how deep this race is. Yes. We're leaving people like Steph Bruce off yeah, this list. Yeah, 227. Um, Sally Kipiego. That's who I was trying to think of. Yeah. Yes. What is her name? Alfine Tillamook, yeah, from yeah. Northern Arizona Elite. She legitimately has a shot to make the team. You know, you've had people who had huge... Allie perf- Kiefer? Allie Kiefer, yeah, who I believe is now healthy again and competing. People who have had huge performances under tough conditions like um, Sarah Sellers yes. at Boston a couple years ago. Lauren Flanagan. There, I mean, there's, there's other people for sure that we've somehow figured out how not to list here, but that's just how talented this field is. My storyline, it's not necessarily something I would encourage. If my kid was 16, I don't know that I would want them marathoning. But Tierney Wolfgram Wolfgram is a fun story. She ran a 240 marathon. She is the high school cross-country star from Minnesota who qualified at the uh, Twin Cities. Wow, I didn't know this. Yeah, so 16, she will be the youngest competitor in the field. Amazing. Atlanta Track Club did an awesome job. If you want to see more about any of these runners with bios and course details, and it's so funny when you read her bio of, yeah, this is this is just a kid who qualified for a marathon, you know, and she was running cross country in the fall, and then boom, here she is, 240. Wow. So. Uh, here's to tyranny. Have fun. Enjoy the experience. I think it's time to make selections. I agree. Okay. I'd like you to go first again. Okay. As my guest. Who will win? I, as an aside, I haven't even figured out who I'm picking yet. We're going to do yeah. this on the fly. So um, go for it. To be honest, uh, it's kind of too hard to pick. Okay. I have four women I think that it's going to come down to in my head. But I do have a winner yep. in my head, and that is Emily Sisson. Okay. I'm going to take Emily Sisson for the win as well. Well, high five, buddy. <laughs> nice. That makes for good good radio anytime there's a yeah, high that's five. That's got to pop in someone's ear. Yeah. <laughs> so you have Sisson. I have Sisson. Do you want me to go with my second pick now I would as well? love for you to. Okay. I. I, I, I. Oh, yeah. Gosh, there are just so many. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I am not going to put Jordan Hesay in the field. I agree. And I had, even when I came here today, thought that maybe I could pick her to win. I am not going to take Jordan Hesay, though. So I'm going to say it is time for a breakthrough in the marathon from Molly Huddle. I'll go Molly Huddle second. Great pick. I think she's due. 
She's an absolute icon, and I think it's her turn. I really can't pick from here. Mm, I know. It's hard. Because um, there are veterans, I think, who've proven themselves, but there's this young contingent that has a realistic shot, and I'd love to see them make the team. But this I just is, wonder if it's their time. This is why we get paid the big bucks. God, yeah. To make predictions like this. This is why we are at sub-minimum wage to do this program. All right. So I am going to go with Sarah Hall making her first Olympic Sarah team. Sarah Hall makes the Olympic team as your second pick. Great. Who do you got third? Who rounds it out? <sighs> this is so hard. Um, I'm going to go... Because I love a dark horse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Emma Bates. Emma Bates in third. Yes, That'd with be Kellen great. Taylor Next, Next woman out? Yes. Okay, so I'll take Sarah Hall third. Okay. So I'm going to go Emily Sisson, Molly Huddle, Sarah Hall in that order. I think Jordan Hesse is the most talented runner there, and if she's right, she could win this thing. But I don't know that coming off a hamstring injury on this course is necessarily necessarily the recipe for success. Right. I don't know that she even really ends up in the mix. I'm going to say uh, next runner out is Des Linden. Des Linden's going to inject herself into this race and be at the front, if not in the lead solo, for an extended period of time get caught by some speedier runners and i do want to say that i would not be shocked if des linden or kellen taylor won the whole yep, thing absolutely it wouldn't be surprising at all it's just such a deep field i put a little personal bias into who i chose and storylines i'd want to see that's absolutely right uh, any of these women that we picked as favorites could could win this whole thing so to go over it again uh, in the men's race uh, i had rup Ward and Fobble. And in the women's race, I have Sisson, Huddle, and Hall. And Benji, to review your picks. I had Ward, Career, Mock. Yep. And then... <laughs> I hope you're right on that Gerald pick. God, wouldn't that be something? That would be fun. Thanks for the stall. I think I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I chose M. Sisson, mm-hmm. Sarah Hall, Emma Bates. Yeah. We will find out this weekend. I'm excited to be there for all the action. We'll catch you up next time. Benji, it was good to have you back in town. I know we can't get you here often, but when we do, we're definitely going to record, and we'll try to get some remote stuff recorded as well so we can get your thoughts as we move into spring track season, for which we are very excited. But it's good to have you back in the studio, my friend, and we will catch you next time on mile 52 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. It's good talking to you guys again. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. Bye.